him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There have been many great people in history, and their names appear in the records of the famous. A few of them let me mention. Christopher Columbus was the great explorer. William Shakespeare, the great playwright. Abraham Lincoln, the great emancipator. Albert Einstein, the great scientist. Winston Churchill and Franklin D. Roosevelt, the great wartime leaders. They were there in the history of the famous. Hollywood has a walk of fame, and all the famous actors from the present and the past, many are listed there, 58 names of famous people in the pavement in Hollywood. Time magazine some time ago got together a list of the hundred of the most famous people in all of history. And number one on that list was the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to say this this morning. Jesus is not a name of the t- at the top of a list. Neither is he a name among names. The Bible says he is the name above every name that is named in heaven and in earth and under the earth. To those of us who confess Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, there's no name like the name of Jesus. Jesus, by many, is a name uttered in anger and cursing, but by many in devout worship. Someone has said that the name of Jesus on a certain month recently uh, was searched for on Google 16 million times. But there are 2 billion inhabitants of our planet Earth that identify themselves as followers of Jesus. William Shakespeare once said, a rose by any other name is just as sweet. In other words, what's in a name? But names really are important. One writer uh, commenting on this verse said, parents are careful to choose good names for their children. But Mary and Joseph didn't choose the name Jesus. God chose that beautiful, simple name. An angel, Gabriel, was sent to Joseph with this message about Mary. Matthew 1.21, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. A lot of people don't realize that the name Jesus was a common name in Bible times. It's the Old Testament name, Joshua. But when it was given to Jesus, 
with Jesus, it carried the fulfillment of its meaning. The Bible uh, pronounces, uh, the Hebrew pronounces the name Jesus as Yeshua, uh, from the Old Testament, Joshua. And it literally means God saves. I want to say just three things about the name of Jesus this morning. First of all, there is salvation in the name of Jesus. I mentioned before that many years ago, in my home church in Norwich, they had a blazoned right across the front of the church, the words, Christ is the answer. Andre Crouch wrote a song which said, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other, for Jesus is the way. Some people ask, what's the purpose of the Bible? Well, John, in his gospel, chapter 20, verse 31, he answers that question. Let me read it to you. But these things are written that you may believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. The Bible is God's revelation to us, and its central purpose is to introduce us to Jesus Christ, so that we might have life in his name. Acts 2.21 says, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The biblical opposite of saved is lost. Without Jesus, we are lost in our unforgiven sin and underpending judgment for them, lost in our broken relationship with God, lost in our inability to do anything to reconcile ourselves with God. But Jesus said in Luke 19.10 that he had come to seek and save that which it was lost. Salvation isn't just a word that means pie in the sky when you die. It's not just about heaven. Salvation is about the quality of life eternal that Jesus gives the moment we invite him into our lives. In John 6, 47, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say unto you, he who believes in me has eternal life. Not future now. We have eternal life. There's no other name but Jesus. Acts 4, 12, Peter says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When I had my first car many, many years ago, I lost the key to it. Now, in those days, you didn't need a key to start a car. You just pressed a button on the dashboard. It's interesting. That's come full circle. The car I've got now is quite a sophisticated car, but uh, you still have a button on the dashboard now. You press to start the car. But you did need a key to get into it. Now, when I lost the key, the car was unlocked except for the boot. 
and I had stuff in the boat, or as my American father would have said, in the trunk, and um, I couldn't get in there. And the, it wasn't a hatchback, uh, so it wasn't so easy just to fold the seats down. And so I did what I always did if I needed a part for my car. I went to our local scrapyard. Because in those days, I didn't have much money. Excuse me. And um, I said, look, could I buy a set of locks for my car? So I've lost the key. And the guy there is a big guy called Charlie. I always remember him. And he said, you don't need a set of locks. You need a key. And I said, well, I know I need a key, but I've lost the key. He said, no problem. He said, see that trunk in there? Go and have a look in there. I lifted the lid like a foal of this trunk, and there were thousands of car keys. Every car he'd scrapped, he'd put the key in that trunk. He said, have a look through that. Well, I spent hours going through that trying, this key and that, till I got absolutely fed up of it and thought, David, you really are daft. More than ever today, you can't get into your car without a good key because we have electrical transponder codes and so on, immobilizers. You need the right key. The key to heaven is Jesus. He is the only saving name. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Some people believe you can get to heaven by good works. Others by living a good life, helping others, meriting, deserving it. Many religions offer their solutions of ways to eternal happiness. Christianity is the only religion, if I can call it that for a moment, that teaches man can do nothing to earn, to deserve, to pay his way into heaven. Christianity, as I said, teaches that we're lost sinners, born with a sin nature, that we must completely rely on the grace and mercy of God through the sacrifice on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ to be reconciled to God, that people are saved by faith in the death and resurrection of Christ. As the old hymn said, there was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. There's salvation in the name of Jesus. Second thing I want to say is this. There is power in the name of Jesus. Most of us have heard people use the name of Jesus as an utterance of profanity. When they do that, they are violating the third commandment warning a person never to take the name of the Lord in vain. I was interested to find this little bit in a commentary. Have you ever wondered, he said, why someone would use the name Jesus when they are swearing? When someone hits their thumb with a hammer, they don't say, O oh Buddha, or O oh Muhammad, or even O oh Moses. 
You see, the name of Jesus is such a hated name by our enemy, the devil, he tempts people to use it in disgust. The devil wants ungodly people to blaspheme the name of Jesus. And he doesn't want Christians to use the name of Jesus. Do you remember in uh, the New Testament times, in Acts 4, 17, when uh, the disciples were preaching and, and healing, the Sanhedrin, the court of the uh, leaders, the religious leaders of Israel, called them before them, and it says this, then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Then in Acts 5, 40 to 41, it says, they called the apostles in, had them flogged, but then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they'd been counted worthy to suffer disgrace for the name. I'll come back to that phrase, the name, shortly. Do you know that's still the case today? Do you remember the name Chuck Colson? He was one of Richard Nixon's um, uh, key people in the White House during what was called the Watergate scandal. He was implicated in that crime and sent to prison. But just before he was sentenced, he came to faith in Jesus Christ. Excuse me. I'm waiting for the summer when the cold weather won't make my allergies cause my nose to run. Um, he, um, he wrote several books, and in one of them, he talks about this. And he says this, ABC officials have chosen to bleep, bleep out the word Jesus on its talk shows. The View, called The View. A guest who had a very successful weight loss program exclaimed, thank you, Jesus, is all I have to say. The network bleeped out the name Jesus. He continues, Franklin Graham, the son of Billy Graham, has received a backlash for his use of the name of Jesus in public prayers. As long as preachers pray to a generic God or to Buddha or Muhammad, there's no problem. But if you say Jesus, stand by, the political correct police will pounce on you in a moment. Isn't it funny, Colson says, how those who lecture Christians on how we need to be tolerant have zero tolerance for the name of Jesus. Why does the devil hate the name of of Jesus. Simple. Because at the cross, Jesus totally and completely defeated and shamed the devil. So the devil is trying to bring as much shame on the name of Jesus as he can. In Colossians 2.15, the Apostle Paul wrote, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by his cross. That phrase, public spectacle, means Jesus shamed and disgraced the devil so that all the universe could see it. The angels saw it, the demons saw it, and we can see it. I like the way Eugene Peterson, in his paraphrase, the message, 
puts that verse in Colossians. He says, he stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. God dealt Satan a mortal blow at the cross of Jesus. 1 John 3.8 says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Hebrews 2.14, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. Let me read that verse again to Colossians 2.15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them. Then note this, triumphing over them by the cross. The words triumphing over uh, is a picture from history. The picture of a military procession where captives are led behind a victorious Roman general. He would lead them through the streets of Rome with crowds cheering him on. Behind him the conquering, conquered kings and officers and soldiers of the defeated nation. Now I've got a little quote from William Barclay. Now I just want to say I don't subscribe to all Barclay's theology. Okay? But he is very good on Greek uh, background and historical settings. So I only quote from him for that purpose. have to say that. Um, he says this, Satan's demonic forces were hostile, malicious, malignant to men. Jesus conquered them forever. He stripped them once and for all. Jesus broke their power. He put them to open shame and led them captive in his triumphant train. Paul thinks of Jesus as a triumphant conqueror, enjoying a kind of cosmic triumph. And in his triumphal procession are the powers of evil, beaten forever for everyone to see. That's in his letters to Philippians, Colossians, and Thessalonians. Some picture the cross only as an instrument of death and defeat, but the Bible says that the cross of Jesus was a chariot of victory over Satan. Jesus has given his name, and there's power in his name. The old hymn said, Jesus, the name high over all, in hell or earth or sky, angels and men before it fall, and devils fear and fly. But it's not just in the realm of spiritual warfare that we have power in the name of Jesus. We can pray in the name of Jesus. John 16, 23 to 4, in that day you will no longer ask anything. I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. We can minister to others in the name of Jesus. In Acts 3, Peter and John were going up to the temple and met a man crippled from birth. He asked them for money. Peter replied in verse 6, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Peter had something for the man that was far better than money. 
Peter had faith in the healing power of Jesus. So he called out in that name and commanded the man to walk. And he did. The man was, who had been lame from birth jumped up and began to walk and leap around. Acts 3.16, Peter has to explain his actions. So he describes what happened. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. In Jesus' name and faith in that name comes through him, sorry, through faith in that name, he has given this man complete healing as you all can see. We are given permission by Jesus to use his name. Do you know, I once bought a £200,000 house when I hardly had a penny to my name. I went into an auction one day, a property auction, and when this particular house came up, I started bidding for it. I didn't have any money, but I bid and I bid and I bid till it went up to £200,000. Then the hammer came down and the auctioneer pointed at me. He said, it's yours, sir. But I hadn't lost my marbles. I was there for a young couple in our church who had the money and resources and wanted that house. And they asked me if I would go to the auction and bid for them. And I did, and I got the house for them. And when he asked, in those days they didn't give you a number, they asked for your name. And when he asked for my name, I didn't give my name, I gave their name. And they came in at the end of the auction and paid the deposit or whatever you put down when you buy a house at an auction. If you like, I was their representative and I was doing it in their name. Now you can see where I'm going with this, can't you? When we use the name of Jesus, we are acting as his representatives on earth. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says we are his ambassadors on earth. We're doing it for his interests. James brings that out. Don't pray for a Mercedes if it's not in God's interest for you to have it. He says when we pray in that name, it's got to be in his interests. And we're doing it then in his authority. There's power in the name of Jesus. And finally, Jesus is the exalted Savior. Wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The words highly exalted mean to exalt to the highest rank and power, to raise to supreme majesty. The words are actually what are called a double superlative. He has been exalted to a superlative degree. He has been given the name which is above 
every name. The name, which it, it comes across as actually a title of rank, of office, of dignity. And one writer says, Jesus is the one with the name. He ranks as no other in majesty, dignity, and glory. Someone has written, you can match all the great names of the world with one or more that is equal or great as great or good. Homer of the Greeks or Virgil or Dante or Shakespeare, Tennyson, Longfellow. But when you mention Jesus, there is no one to stand beside him. He stands alone, august, supreme, unique. His name is above every name. If I can quote that hymn again, Jesus the name, high over all, in heaven or earth or sky, angels and men before it fall, and devils fear and fly. Verse 10 says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Paul is saying that all creation will bow at the name of of Jesus. Things in heaven will bow at the name of Jesus. Angels, archangels, cherubim, seraphim will bow and worship him. All heaven will worship him. Things in earth will bow at the name of Jesus. Every man, woman, and child will bow at his feet. All humanity will acknowledge him. Things under the earth even the principalities and powers will bow the knee to him. As the hymn writer says, all hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate forth, fall, bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. I um, was telling my wife on the way down this morning that I... Last week, selected a different subject to preach on. And uh, I thought it was a good subject, and I'd got a lot of stuff together. And as I was reading through it, suddenly I had this troubled feeling inside. And I knew I just couldn't preach that subject. But when I started getting this together, something began to stir. And this week, whenever I prayed... Whenever I've thought of a problem, I have realized the authority and power. And it's transformed my thinking and my praying. When I come and I say, in the name of Jesus, I'm praying in his authority, in his power, for his glory. Friends, let's do that this week. Let's begin to use the name of Jesus, not as a cliché, we tag at the end of our prayers. But it's, it's meant to, moving in the power and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's lift up the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father God, we thank you. We come into your holy presence in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord that you've given us his name to use in every setting that we need your divine power to come into. 
And we just pray, Lord, will you stir it in our hearts, faith in the name of Jesus, that we might see again in our day, in our time, miracles, Lord, in your name, that we might see circumstances transformed in your name, that, Lord, we might see lives saved in your name. Father, we pray, stir up our faith in the name of Jesus. Bless your word to our hearts. In Jesus' name.